What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we got first talk about how the D-backs weren't able to clinch a postseason berth against the Chicago White Sox. And then we'll power rank the toughest potential postseason matchups that the D-backs might face on the NL side of the bracket. We're not doing the whole World Series and talking about everyone, just potential NL matchups that they might see this playoffs. So bringing it all down on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas 24mportfoliocom I'm there to see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. Now, before we power rank the toughest potential playoff matchups that the D-backs might see on the NL side of the bracket. I first need to talk about how the D-backs didn't clinch their postseason berth because we might not even, that whole segment number two and number three, power ranking the postseason matchups for the D-backs, all that might be a moot point if the D-backs don't handle business against the Houston Astros because they were not able to handle business in the series finale against the Chicago White Sox because all the D-backs needed was one just one more victory against this poor, poor, poor Chicago White Sox team. And the D-backs were not able to get it done. Instead, they went with a little bullpen game. Bryce Jarvis started for his first career start, I believe. Um, and he was fine. Gave up a couple earned runs. Kyle Nelson came in, gave, in, uh, gave up a solo home run after that. Like, it, the bullpen game was fine. The D-backs overall did only give up three earned runs over nine innings. So I guess you could say it was successful. If you're going to give up three earned runs over nine innings, I would say the bullpen had a pretty good day at the office. A pretty good day at the office. But what about the offense for the D-backs? Well, they didn't exactly show up. Of course, Corbin Carroll continues to be the D-backs' best offense player, like I predicted. Down the stretch, you could say it was a pretty obvious take. But guess what? I made the take, and it's come out to be true. Corbin Carroll, the D-backs had three hits. Corbin Carroll had two of them, including a triple. Um, stole another base, 52 on the season. Tommy Pham, quietly, 22 steals now on the season. But the offense just didn't do enough for the D-backs today. The the bullpen game like was fine, and they actually ended up being effective. Like Your first two guys they threw out there gave up three earned runs in the first three innings. Sure, you feel like you're on pace to have a pretty bad day, but considering the bullpen, I mean, technically eight innings over three earned runs, like with eight strikeouts, like that's the kind of day you expect from your pitchers when you want to win a ball game. Like if you tell me my pitching staff over a full game is only going to give up three earned runs, like the D-backs should win that kind of game, especially against a 61 and 98 Chicago White Sox team. And the D-backs just weren't able to get the big hit in this series finale to clinch their postseason berth. 
But it's okay. The D-backs are not like dead in the water after that, right? Like, yeah, the pressure's still on the D-backs. You still have to perform well. You can't take your foot off the gas. But the D-backs are still at least in the driver's seat, right? They just can't finish finish any worse than the Chicago Cubs. The D-backs don't own the tiebreaker over the Marlins. So if the D-backs and Marlins finish tied, the Marlins will finish ahead of the D-backs in the standings. But the D-backs finish tied with the Cubs. The D-backs will go to the playoffs and the Cubs will not. The Cubs actually own tiebreakers over no one. So the Cubs have to finish with a better record than the two teams ahead of them in both the D-backs and Marlins. So they're kind of playing uh, from behind the most of the teams that you see fighting for these last wildcard spots. The ideal world is, uh, I mean, if you're being honest, though, the ideal world is probably the D-backs do get the third wildcard spot. Like, I think ideally we want the D-backs to get that third wildcard spot. Miami Marlins finish with that second wildcard spot. And then basically your path to the World Series would be like Brewers, Dodgers, Braves instead of Phillies, Braves, Dodgers. I would just rather face the Braves in the championship series than face them earlier. I know I'm probably going to have to get through the Braves either way, but I'd rather face, face them later than face them earlier because some people are like, yeah, let me just face the best team and get out the way. Guess what? If I face the team later, they might be more worn down they might be more fatigued they might be you know there could be some injuries like i'd rather play the better teams later and, and potentially not play them at all maybe another team knocks them out i never understood the philosophy of, of people like you know what i'm gonna have to go through that team anyway let me not let, let me just face them in the first round if i'm gonna have to go through them anyway why do that face them in the last possible round because another team might knock them out or injuries can knock them out so many different variables you know steroids anything you can think of can knock them out so i'd rather face the path of least resistance i think it would actually be easier for the d-backs to make a world series run which i don't think is going to happen but i think the path is more likely for the D-backs to make to the World Series if you go Brewers, Dodgers, Braves, then Phillies, Braves, Dodgers. And I also just want to say I'm not totally against the D-backs going with a bullpen game once we get to the postseason because, because of course, there's no more Zach Davies. And if you want to replace that guy, why not do a bullpen game? Like, I don't mind doing... Slade and the Ryan Nelsons and the Bryce Jarvis's and even the Brendan Fots of the world. Those four pitchers, you could pair two of those guys up each, do like Slade and Bryce Jarvis with Ryan Nelson and Brendan Fott. And then that could be your four-man rotation with a Gallant and Merrill Kelly because once you get to the postseason, you're going to shrink your rotations anyway. It's not like the D-backs want to see a Ryan Nelson, a Brandon Fat, Slaker Coney three times through the lineup. Heck, most of the time, they don't want to see them two times through the lineup. So why not throw Brandon Fott out there for four strong innings and then give Ryan Nelson another two innings? And then you could save, you know, your go-to bullpen arms like that. And then you throw in Ginkgo in your eighth and Paul Seawald in your ninth. I think that's a way um, they could, I think that's an option to save the bullpen uh, once we get to the playoffs, especially if the Gallons and Merrill Kellys are on their A game, if they are able to pitch deep into ball games, I think it makes even more sense to go with like a opener kind of game uh, for your number three and number four spots in the rotation. Like I imagine Brandon Fott gets that number three spot, but that number four, that number four spot, that could be a bullpen game. I wouldn't even be upset with it. D-backs are going to get another chance to clinch the postseason against the Houston Astros. You got Zach Gallon on the mound in game one. He's got a 3-2-4 ERA, nine earned runs over 24 innings pitch against the Astros in his career, 1.08 whip, nine strikeouts per nine innings. So Zach Gallon has fared pretty good against the Astros in his career. And honestly, 
This is a good opportunity for the D-backs who face a really tough team entering the postseason. And also the D-backs, I, I don't think you have to worry about them blowing this series, getting swept by the Astros and missing the postseason because this D-backs team quietly has played the Astros really well during the entire Astros run. I'm talking about since 2017 is the first year the Astros went to the World Series. Every year since the Astros have been in the ALCS. And since 2017, the D-backs are playing like 500 ball against the Astros Essentially, they're 11 and 12 against the Astros since 2017, and only one year since 2017 have they actually finished below 500 on the season against the Astros. Every other year, they finish with at least a 500 record. So the D-backs quietly have been pretty effective against this Houston Astros mini dynasty that we've seen since 2017. And the biggest thing that we're going to see in the series is not just going to be whether the D-backs clinch the postseason or not. It's also going to be whether, I mean all that's tied in because if the D-backs, let's say they lose Friday, like that's going to be a big question whether the D-backs want to pitch Merrill Kelly in game two or not because you could save Merrill Kelly for, let's say the D-backs win the first game against the Astros, you might want to save Merrill Kelly in game two, save him for the playoffs so he could start game one of the playoffs and then maybe you go with someone else in game two if you believe that you can still clinch the postseason in games two and three. Maybe you want to save Merrill Kelly for that game one of the playoffs if you feel pretty confident after your Friday victory. But let's say you lose Friday, then what do you do? Do you put Merrill Kelly out there in game two? Do you feel pressured? Because then at that point, Zach Gallen can't start until at least game two of the playoffs, and then Merrill Kelly can't start to at least game three. Then it's like, who's going to start game one for the D-back? So I think Friday's game is going to be huge because if Zach Gallen gets a win Friday, I could see the D-backs skipping a rotation turn for Merrill Kelly, especially because at the time of me recording this podcast, the Chicago Cubs are down 5-2. to two. Uh, in the top of the eighth against the Atlanta Braves. So if the Cubs lose that game, they will be a couple of games behind the D-backs. And let's say the D-backs win Friday and the Cubs lose Friday. I think that could potentially clinch the postseason for the D-backs uh, just off the top of my head. So if the D-backs win Friday and the Cubs lose Friday, I could see the D-backs potentially skipping a start for Merrill Kelly and just saving him for the postseason so you could get him in game one and then you could get Zach Allen in game two and then the D-backs are set up for the playoffs because I don't think you want to go with a, I don't even know, a Brandon Fott in game one, another bullpen game in game one. I don't think the D-backs want to do that. So I could see the D-backs potentially skipping Merrill Kelly's start on Saturday with how the game on Friday might go. Uh, like I said, the Marlins are potentially on pace. I'm recording this. They're up. 2-1 to one in the top of ninth against the Mets. So if the Marlins win that, they'll be a game behind the D-backs. Cubs, if they lose, they'll be two games behind the D-backs. But the D-backs still in the driver's seat as it currently stands to make it to the postseason. All they have to do is handle their business against the Houston Astros. Now I want to power rank the toughest matchups that the D-backs might see in the postseason. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about Sleeper. Let me get my little ad overlay on because the MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance for 100 times payout cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Acuna, Betts, and Otani. Pick stats for these stars like home runs, hits, or strikeouts, and if they hit, you can win up to 100 times payout on sleeper get your picks right and you can win big and sleeper is not just great for daily fancy baseball i use sleeper 
almost every day for my Dynasty Football League. Now that the football season is back in swing, I got my Dynasty League on Sleeper, archives my league year to year, keeps all my players, taxi squad for rookie, rookie draft, it does it all. So Sleeper can win money, can do fantasy baseball, fantasy football, great for everything. So use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Go to sleeper.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. And don't forget to catch every D-Bags pitch on the Hometown Broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's power rank the toughest potential matchups that the D-Bags might see in the postseason. Once again, we're only going to be talking about the NL bracket here. I'm not talking about potential World Series matchups, just the teams that the D-backs might see on the NL side. We're going to do reverse pyramid, so we're going to be starting with number six, working our way to the top, and I think the team that would be the easiest to face for the D-backs this postseason would be the Chicago Cubs, and let me just preface it by saying the six teams I have in this power ranking, Braves, Dodgers, Phillies, Marlins, Brewers, Cubs, those are the six teams I have in this power ranking or the six teams that we're going to be powering today. And that number six is the Chicago Cubs. They are the team that I would fear the least in the postseason. The Cubs, despite being third in run scored in the National League, which is very good, and also being sixth overall in ERA, also very good. This Cubs team looks like they're playing the worst baseball at the worst time of the year, right? This is the time where you have to play your best baseball, make it into the postseason, feel good with positive momentum as you enter the postseason. Right now, the vibes surrounding Chicago feel bad. Their manager, David Ross, has been calling them out. I look at that rotation. Justin Steele has been a beast, but I don't trust the Tyones of the world. Uh, Marcus Stroman, he's not even really starting anymore, right? Like, I, I'm not... I'm not terrified of that rotation at all. I look at the lineup. Cody Bellinger is a stud. Nico Horner can do some things for you at the top of your lineup, but I'm not super scared. Like the Ian Haps of the world, he's a good player, but I don't think he's having a monster season. Christopher Morels, like they have a lot of good players. Seiya Suzuki is a really good player. Their lineup is deep. That's why they were able to score so many runs this season. Like there's not a lot of bad talent. Everyone in their lineup is a major leaguer, maybe above average major leaguer. Like, I think the Dansby's and the Cody Bellingers are probably, I mean, not even the Dansby's. I think the Cody Bellingers are above average, you know, potential all-star, star, major leaguers. And then everyone else, I think, is a really good player, a good player, but no one that scares me when they walk up to the plate. I'm not scared of the Horners, the Ian Haps, the Christopher Morales. All those guys are good, don't get me wrong, but those guys don't scare me. But the Cubs do have depth in their lineup. Really, for the Cubs, it's their pitching that doesn't scare me. They have a solid bullpen, but I just don't trust that rotation after Justin Steele. I just don't think that rotation is going to hold up round after round. And if the D-backs do face the Cubs, it would probably be in like the divisional or championship series. And if the D-backs face the Cubs, I would be taking the D-backs in that series. I mean, the D-backs have owned Chicago teams this season. They have owned the Chicago Whites, the Chicago Cubs this year. The D-backs are probably going to be the biggest reason why the Cubs don't make it to the postseason this year. The team number five in this power ranking is the Milwaukee Brewers. And that might seem 
A little surprising considering they are a division leader, but the Brewers are just one of those teams who I just think year after year are one of those teams that we say great regular season team. We know they're going to finish around 87 to 91 wins. They're going to have really good pitching. They're going to look at their analytics. They're going to do everything right from a professional standpoint. But once you get to the postseason, they're always a dark horse darling who never comes through for you. I think once again, the Brewers are going to have the same story that we've seen from them the last few years. When you look at the ranks right now, the Brewers are currently 8th in runs scored in the National League. So they're middle of the pack behind teams like the Reds, the D-backs, the Padres. You look at the pitching for the Brewers now. Number one in ERA, and that is the Brewers' strength. If you want to say why you should be scared of the Brewers, it is because of their pitching. You're going to have Burns, Freddie Peralta. Wade Miley's actually having a really good season for the Brewers. And then you look at the bullpen. I mean, that's where it gets scary with the Devin Williams, the Joel Pampas, Hobie Milners. But that lineup for the Brewers just doesn't scare me. And it's been their biggest issue the last few years. Can they score enough runs to go with the pitching? They're kind of like the Miami Marlins. Their offense has never been good enough in this season. Once again, just middle of the pack. Christian Yelich is having himself a bounce back, but still not that MVP Yelich that we saw a few years ago. Willie Adamas has kind of fallen off this year for them. Rowdy Telez hasn't provided the power. I do love William Contreras. I did like that pickup for the for the Milwaukee Brewers because I think he's really good. But outside of Yelich, like who's the offensive player they're even scared of? Like their two best offense players are William Contreras and Christian Yelich, and at this point of Yelchitz's career, like he's not the same guy that he once was, is having like a little Cody Bellinger bounce back season, but probably not even having as good of a bounce back season as a Cody Bellinger. So when I look at that lineup, I just don't think it's going to score enough runs when once we get to the postseason. And then even though the pitching is number one in ERA in the National League, Corbin Burns hasn't been as good as years past. He's kind of taking a step back a little bit this year. Same with Freddie Peralta. When Wade Miley looks like your best pitcher, uh, through the regular season. I mean, we all wouldn't take Wade Miley as the best pitcher on the Brewers, but you can make the argument he's looked like the best pitcher this year, and I think that's a little bit concerning. If Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta are not on their A game with his offense not able to score runs, the Brewers just aren't going to scare me that much. And then the final team that I want to talk about in this segment, number four in the power ranking, the Miami Marlins. This is the team that I think is going to take a spot in the playoffs from the Chicago Cubs. I've been saying the Marlins are going to make it over the Cubs for a few weeks now, and I wouldn't even be shocked if the Marlins finish ahead of the D-backs because this Marlins team knows how to battle. They do not give up. The Marlins team is currently dead last in the National League in terms of runs scored. And if you look at the ERA, the Marlins are eighth in ERA. So, Millie, how can the Marlins be fourth in your power ranking ahead of the Brewers and Cubs? Brewers, number one in pitching ERA. Cubs were both like top five in both runs scored and pitching ERA. So how can the Marlins be ahead of both of those teams in terms of teams that you're scared of the most to see? Well, the Marlins were one of the first teams. If you remember when the D-backs were like never losing any series the first like month and a half of the season, the only teams that could beat the D-backs in a series was the Miami Marlins. They beat the D-backs twice. Like, I think the D-backs' first three series losses, I think two of them was to the Miami Marlins. Like, that's off the top of my head. And for some reason, the Marlins are just a bad matchup for the D-backs. And when I look at this Marlins team, um, offense, like the Brewers, is always going to be an issue as to whether they can score enough runs. But you got Luis Arise, who had just been fantastic from start to finish. Jazz Chisholm, 
deals with a lot of injury problems, but as it currently stands, entering the postseason, he is healthy, and when he's healthy, he's just a numbers machine. I mean, in 94 games, he has 18 home runs, 22 stolen bases. The average... The slash line is still like all right, but the counting numbers are always going to be there for him. Jorge Soler has had a monster season as well. And then some of their deadline acquisitions with the Jake Burgers and the Josh Bells, like both of those guys have been phenomenal for the Marlins this year. So it's not even like when I look at the team stats for the Marlins, I don't think that takes into full context how good this team has been post trade deadline. And then you look at the rotation. Yes, Sandy might be hurt. Still got Lazardo, Braxton Garrett. I don't know what's going on with Yuri Perez too much, but if he's healthy for the postseason, like I just think they have such a young rotation. Maybe it's raw. Maybe it's inexperienced, but I just think that Miami Marlins team has so much talent on their roster. To me, on paper, I think they're scarier than both the Brewers and Cubs, and considering how they've actually matched up against the D-backs this year, the Marlins have kind of owned the D-backs this year. That's why I got them fourth in my power ranking. But coming up, I will tell you the top three scariest teams for the D-backs to face this postseason. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about which, uh, oh, I know what this is. This is DoorDash. I want to talk to you guys about DoorDash because missing the syrup for your pancakes or just ran out of your favorite coffee creamer with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you pick them yourselves with easy substitutions right in the app. In best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order, up to a $20 value when you use code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms apply. That's 50% off, up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code locked on MLB. Don't forget that's code locked on MLB for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast, and let's wrap up the podcast by continuing our power ranking of the toughest matchups the D-backs might face on the NL side of the bracket. Number three for me in my power ranking is going to be the reigning World Series runner-up, the Philadelphia Phillies, who the D-backs would face in the first round if the season ended today. And this Philadelphia Phillies team, I mean, it's a pretty simple argument for them. I mean, they're fourth in runs right now in the National League. They're third in ERA. They're the team that went to the World Series last year. They've spent so much money on their roster. I mean... Maybe all their players aren't living up to their standards right now, but the Kyle Schwarbers right now still 40 plus home runs. Bryce Harper, even though he doesn't look like the MVP, he, you know, the MVP candidate he normally is because he's coming off 
Tommy John surgery, he's still 900 plus OPS, 300 average guy. Brandon Marsh, 800 plus OPS right now. Trey Turner having a down season, still going to have near 30-30 in terms of counting numbers. Bryson Stott, 15 home runs, 30 plus stolen bases. Like even the slash, even though the slash lines might not be elite for every player, each player can at least get you some power with the home run or steal a few bases like each player at least has a set of skills even though they may not be hitting a high average or slugging it for huge power each player can at least do something that's a positive contributor for you in your lineup I just think that Philly's lineup is scary I think it's deep the rotation major question marks there Aaron Nola is having a down year but if he's on his a game in the postseason that makes the Phillies this much tougher. Wheeler is also a stud, but he's also having... He's been good this year, but it's not elite Zach Wheeler like we've seen in the past. I think if Aaron Nola struggles in the postseason, the Phillies team maybe isn't as good as we thought on paper entering the playoffs. But still, as it currently stands, that lineup just scares me so much with the depth, the amount of talent it has. Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler is as good of a 1-2 duo as you could get. And then Taiwan Walker and Ranger Suarez. I mean, they're not having great years, but those are two legit veterans behind those guys. And then your bullpen, you're just going to have a bunch of veterans too. Like, I don't want to trust the, trust the Craig Kimbrels of the world in the postseason, but he's having a fine season. Same with the Matt Stroms and the Gregory Sotos. Like, the rotation in the pitching staff is very veteran. A lot of experience there. This whole team is just very experienced in season. I think that's why you have to worry about this team. Like, I think once you get to this upper half, of these uh, postseason teams that we're talking about, all of them are really seasoned and experienced with the Phillies, Dodgers, and Braves. Those are three really experienced veteran teams. Um, of course, the Phillies franchise hasn't been to the playoffs a ton, but a lot of those players, the Trey Turners of the world, has a World Series under his belt. Bryce Harper has a World Series under his belt. Kyle Schwarber has been on a bunch of playoff teams, right? So all those guys are at least battle-tested, even though the franchise might not be. A lot of their players that they have are, and so this Philadelphia Phillies team, I don't think you can mess with once they get to the postseason. Number two in my power ranking is a team we're all too familiar with. The LA Dodgers, I think that's one of the reasons. The Dodgers are like the big brothers to the D-backs. They stomp on them whenever they can, whenever, you know, whatever opportunity they can to get to stop on the D-backs, the Dodgers do. This season, the Dodgers are 8-5 and five against the D-backs, but the D-backs have played the Dodgers way better this season than they have in years past. The Dodgers, once again, are going to have a stacked lineup. Now, I don't think the lineup is as good as what we saw last year, but you're still going to have Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, two MVP candidates. J.D. Martinez, I don't know why the Red Sox let him walk. 900 OPS, 30-plus uh, home runs. He's back. James Altman, solid rookie season. Max Muncy, the power's back for him. Like The lineup is, once again, going to be scary for the Dodgers. Somehow, Jason Hayward has resurrected his career. Where the fault in the Dodgers is, their weak link is going to be their rotation. You got Kershaw there, but then after that, Bobby Miller, youngster, what can you do with him? Urias, Gonsolin are not going to be there. Like the rotation all of a sudden has gone really thin for this Dodgers team. The bullpen is also a little hit or miss as well when you look at this Dodgers team. Um, even though the Dodgers bullpen is currently number one in terms of ERA, when I look at them on paper, they don't look as dominant as the bullpen ERA suggests. The Dodgers pitching staff ERA is number five. The Dodgers in total runs is number two. So all the teams that still tell you this Dodgers is this Dodgers team is elite, the teams that still tell you this Dodgers team is something to be fearful of, and they are a true World Series contender. I think that's true. 
If the D-backs face the Dodgers in the postseason, they're probably getting swept. Uh, they're probably getting sent home. This Dodgers team has owned the D-backs over the last few years, but I think for the first time in a while, the Dodgers are kind of vulnerable. I can see a little weakness in them. I wouldn't pick the D-backs against the Dodgers, but I do think there's a small sliver of hope that the D-backs could beat the Dodgers in a potential playoff series. But still, even with that being said, there's a reason I have the Dodgers number two as the second scariest playoff matchup for the D-backs to face, but by far the scariest, I think, for any team to face this postseason. American League or National League, I really don't think it matters. I think the Braves are the best team entering the playoffs on either side of the bracket. This Braves team just doesn't have a weakness. They're number one in runs scored. Now, maybe you could say pitching because they're only seventh in ERA, but... I mean, on paper, I mean, what don't they have? Their catcher is one of the best in baseball in Sean Murphy. Their first baseman is one of the best in baseball in Matt Olsen. Same with Ozzie Albies, one of the best second baseman. Maybe it falls off a little bit with Orlando Arcia, but Austin Riley, one of the best third baseman in baseball. Like, Austin Riley the last couple of years has been an MVP, uh, an MVP candidate, a uh, silver slugger type guy, one of the best players, you know, from a third base corner infield power standpoint that we've seen. I felt like we've had a lot of, Austin Riley conversations the last couple of years. This year, it's felt like he's having a little bit of a down season. Not much Austin Riley talk, I feel like, just from the overall baseball community. And even with that being said, as I'm recording this podcast, 37 home runs, 96 ribbies, 280 average, 850 OPS. Like, I don't know why we don't talk more about Austin Riley, one of the best in baseball. Eddie Rosario, I mean... Yeah, he's not one of the best at his position, but still having a pretty good season. Michael Harris started the season super slow. He's come on strong. He's a beast. Ronald Acuna Jr., he's going to be MVP. Marcel Ozuna as your DH. I mean, he's got nearly a 900 OPS, over 90 ribbies, almost 40 home runs. Like, their lineup just doesn't have weakness in it. You look at their rotation, Strider, Elder, really good, their rotation. Uh, I think you can make an argument, maybe not the healthiest. I think that's where you are going to be concerned with the Freeds and the Kyle Wrights. Like, they just haven't been able to get healthy to the Charlie Morton's. Like, if the Braves rotation gets healthy at the right time, like, maybe they can't survive the first couple rounds um, with a banged-up rotation. But if the Freeds and just Freed, really. Like, if you give me Freed, Strider, and Elder as your 1-2-3 entering the postseason, like, with the bullpen that the Braves also have with that lineup, like I think the Braves are the toughest team to face in the postseason this year. I don't think it's even close, and I think the Braves are probably going to win it all. And if the D-backs face the Braves in the playoffs, I would probably pick the Braves to sweep. But outside the Braves, I think the D-backs truly have a shot against anyone on the NL side of the playoff bracket. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back next week for more Dimebacks News coverage insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the SiriusXM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, doses.